into the contest. It's Tuesday the 20th of July. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. Shane Lee getting excited about the Olympics just days away from the opening ceremony. Have you brushed off that beautiful outfit when you carried the flag in 2000? Mate, I have. It's at the dry cleaners. I pick it up tomorrow night, ready for 8.30 on Friday night. I've got my torch ready. <laughs> I've got some gas ready. I've got the lighter ready. I'm ready to go, mate. I can't wait. Got some gas ready. Has that got to do with what you're going to eat for lunch? Alright. <laughs> Come on. We're looking forward to it. Alright, we've got the State of Origin jersey, the sign, New South Wales jersey, of course. The trophy coming home to New South Wales. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Follow us Afternoon Sport on Twitter or Facebook and you could win the signed jersey. Today on the show, we've got a packed show. We've got Phil Liggett, the voice of cycling after the Tour de France. Radio host and rugby league player, Katie Brown. And our editor-at-large, Rob Gilbert, has his preview of our basketball teams and football teams for the Olympics. Well, soon we'll be in the velodrome for the Olympic Games, but it was all about the Champs-Élysées and the Tour de France, and the voice of cycling joins us now. Phil Liggett, well, quite a finish in the end. It was a remarkable finish, and Paris turned on the sunshine, the atmosphere is lovely, and I wasn't there, of course, Tim. I was actually in a studio in London calling it Into America, as live, of course, it was live. But it was wonderful. It was 85 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, I'm sorry, I'm not talking to the Americans now, am I? I can tell you now. it's 31 <laughs> degrees right. Celsius, yes. And um, it was a super day. Mark Cavendish was trying to get the outright record of stage wins. He mm. got pipped on the line. He was third, so he equals Eddie Merckx's number of stage wins, which I think is a fair result. But he won the green jersey. But the guy who won the race, he was sensational. He took the yellow jersey lead on the eighth day of the race and he won it on the 21st day of the race in Paris. Tadej Pogacar is a very special character, defending champion, uh, one of the youngest winners uh, of the race last year, and that's still the case. He's a year older, and he's only 22. And Phil, he's 22 back-to-backs. What could this guy do, do you think? Well, as they say, the world is his oyster, because uh, at that sort of age, he's uh, now the youngest winner to go back-to-back in history, at 21 and 22 years of age. Mm. He's, uh, well, look, the guys like Cavendish and Chris Froome trying to make a comeback after his accident who are in their mid-30s now, still riding the Tour de France. So, you know, the maths say he could be on the top for the next 14 years. Oh, yeah. What a machine. I don't think I'll be calling his 14th victory in the Tour de France, but I must say <laughs> uh, this guy is very, very special. But there's also new hope as well that will tackle him because the guy that finished second, uh, Jonas Vingago, the Danish guy, came out of a fish market where he was practicing his apprenticeship to ride a bike. He's finished second in his first Tour de France. This was an amazing tour for many reasons. Yeah, a nice Australian edge too to the story of the uh, Tour de France of 2021. You missed me to forget that because we found a new hero in Ben O'Connor. He comes from Perth. He lives in Europe at the moment. His folks managed to get out of Australia to be at the Tour de France to see him. Um, he never went to the Tour de France, his first tour ever, ever thinking of uh, any more than a stage win. But when he finally got that stage win in the Alps in Tina, uh, he moved into second place in the race. He had to totally reassess where he was in the Tour de France. Uh, he's, on, he's on a good team, but now he was, he was heading up to be the team leader. Uh, and by the end of the race, he finished fourth. Now, the only guys who've beaten him in the Aussie record books are, of course, Cadell Evans, who won the Tour. Mm. And uh, third last year was Richie Port. Ben O'Connor, as a result of his performance, got the call to go to the Olympics, but he decided he wanted to concentrate 
on a great result in Paris, which he got yesterday, and no hot footing to the Liverpool game. So he turned the offer down. And as you said, Phil, only the fourth Aussie guy to finish in the top five of all time. So big effort from the Aussie. Yep, yeah. Yeah, the other one was Phil Anderson, and, uh, mm. and he's still very much involved in watching the cycling. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Phil, uh, you're working for Channel 7 again for the Olympic Games. I've worked with you across uh, Olympic Games and, of course, many years of the, the Tour Down Under. It's different. Um, like I knew, obviously, that you were doing it remotely out of London for the Tour de France, and that's the way it will be for Tokyo. A lot of talk about COVID and, and Tokyo, but once it starts, the, the, the stories, the medals, they tend to wash all the other yarns away. Well, I hope so. I must say the British team have got concerns now. They've, they've got some athletes gone straight into quarantine because they've been in contact with someone with COVID. I don't know any more than that. And uh, now they can't train. They can't train for four days before the game. So how does that affect their performances? We'll find out, of course. As far as the Aussies are concerned, um, most of them, uh, Luke Derbidge, who, who got the call up uh, about a week ago, mm. uh, he's probably flown out to morning to Tokyo. He's certainly on his way when I spoke to him yesterday. And uh, we'll see how they all acclimatise very quickly. But for me, yes, you're right. It'll be my 16th Olympics and without doubt the strangest Olympic Games of my life because I'll be going to London every day to a studio and calling it in the middle of the night, London time, three or four o'clock in the morning I start work. And I'll be working with Scott McGrory, who will be in Melbourne, and Anna Mears. Uh, you can't get a better team than that, so they can't concentrate. They'll be just fine. And I'm looking forward to it, of course. But it's not the Olympic game. I'm not in Tokyo. And it's going to feel strange. Yeah, it, it will do, mate. Um, for the winner of the uh, Tour de France, what does that mean for them financially? Well, the, the, the theory is, and, and the history says, they've won half a million euros. I don't okay. know what that is. It's about 600,000 uh, Aussie dollars, something. At the second place, rider gets a quarter of a million. There's all the prizes along the way when you win stages, you get 5,000 euros, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. The team has won quite a lot of money, uh, certainly. Uh, We're approaching 750,000 euros. Now, what happens is riders win the money. Yes, individual riders, it's an individual race, but the team shares in the spoils. They'll have decided how it's going to be divided up, but some do it like Winner, the guy that wins, he gets 40%. The other 60% goes in the pot. And it's not just shared amongst the eight cyclists at all. Uh, and, of course, it's also if you drop out after day three, you only get three days worth of payout, the bonuses, the whole thing, and so on. Um, it's all the mechanics and the masters, and they work almost 24-7. They are looking after the riders literally 24-7. Yeah, unbelievable. And the big thing that you win, you win a piece of history and you win, a, you win that sense of publicity, that worldwide publicity that pushes the brand forward and, and down the road. You really do. Phil, oh, and your Phil, oh, goes up. Yes, well, you buy, buy a few more meat pies. Um, yeah. happened to me, though, Tim. My salary didn't go up. Oh, well, hey, you, you, can't, you can't go up when you're already hitting the roof. Phil. <laughs> oh, thank you, Tim. Lovely to speak to you as always. <laughs> Coming up on Afternoon Sport, presents it, reports it, plays it. What doesn't she do with rugby league? Her name is Katie Brown. Time to talk the greatest game of all, rugby league, and someone that plays it, reports it, presents it. Katie Brown, how are you going? I'm good, Tim. How are you both and you, Shane? I'm great. Now, let's start with Lachlan Lewis. Like, I thought, 
I love that little wrestle at halftime there. <laughs> like, call me old fashioned. I thought, you know what? The Bulldogs are losing. He's had a gut full. Let's let's have a wrestle, a little man dance. What what do you think, Katie? I just watched the TV and thought, what is happening? Is this WWE or are we like? Can I please watch this five times over? Um, it was like it was seriously. It was like two guys at a Christmas party pissed off their awesome. heads. Oh, Barry, Barry! <laughs> He's just tackled him. <laughs> it's like something my brother would do to me at Christmas. He's so right. He's facing a sixteen hundred dollar fine if he takes the early guilty. But if he um, challenges it and gets found guilty, Lachlan uh, will get done for two thousand four hundred. But he says it goes back to round four when Nick Meany um, got a dog shot from Cody Walker allegedly. So he was sticking up for his his teammate and said that Cody Walker in the second half went out and did something similar. So yeah. it's all alleged. But oh yeah, it was it was very interesting to watch. And then uh, we saw. Um, Kane Evans from the Warriors, and he was 18th man. And, and uh, f- you know, go Ben, some see uh, you. You can spell the next two letters, and he's got himself into trouble. He didn't even get on the ground. He doesn't even need to play. You don't even need to play rugby league to get in trouble now. But that, it, <laughs> I just thought that was so stupid. I know that rugby league players and humans are known for doing dumb things, but that. In my book, was one of, if not the dumbest thing I've seen this year. Well, you can't spell count wrong, so yeah. Yes. yeah poor, poor. Come on, count your tackles. <laughs> That's right, count your tackles, you idiot. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's a weird, it's a weird old time. It's a weird old time in the wild rugby league. Now, yeah. Phil Gould, back to the back to the kennel. It's been interesting to see some of those uh, young shots of Gus, uh, not only when he played with the Bulldogs, but when he coached them that premiership. And uh, yeah, look, it looks like they're going to get some 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 good cattle. Yeah, well, uh, Tavita Pangai Jr. seems to have gone the way with the Bulldogs, um, declined the offer of West Tigers. So 2.2 over three seasons. Mm. If Gus and Trent and the rest of the Bulldogs can find a way to get the best out of Tavita Pangai Jr. every week, you've got yourself the jackpot. His problem is Tavita just doesn't perform. Mm. I am watching closely to see how Gus goes, and I think all Bulldogs fans are too because – I feel like time is ticking for that club. There's been nothing but drama. It is like watching the bold and the beautiful every season with them. And I love it. I love that show. So do I. I want more. You only have to watch it once every two years and you pick up the same plot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, the NRLW, like 75% are going to Queensland. Is that true or what's the story there? So the NRL took to the players and said, look, you've got a couple of options. One of them is to go to Queensland, do a bubble style like the men, um, but we want you to decide. So put your vote in. 75% came back and said that they would be happy to move up there. So they've got a decent preseason and decent Mm. competition to go ahead. Big one. Hopefully they'll know by Thursday at the Mm -hmm. latest. Yeah, it sounds like it makes sense. It really does at the moment with uh, uh, no real close end in sight. Or we know it's going to be over in a few weeks' time, but it, it's just dragging on. So it's a clever idea to go up to Queensland where all the rest of the sport is. Katie, we will chat next week. Sounds good. Look forward to it because there's no more origin. We could put one on for you. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> CJ. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, our editor-at-large takes a look at both our basketball teams and our soccer teams for the Olympics. It's Rob Gilbert. Are we seeing the emergence of a new asset class in the sports sector? How was the breakaway football super league to be financed? How much was that private equity investment into volleyball? What are investors' plans for Davis Cup tennis? 
I'm Reese Lenarduzzi, the head of advisory at Athlon Partners, a global fund and corporate advisory firm specialising in the investment and acquisition of sports organisations and sports assets. I'm also host of the all-new podcast, Sportonomic. Join me as I speak to industry experts, athletes, stakeholders and other key players to uncover the curtain engine and machinations of sport. Each week, I venture beyond the mere headlines and into the depths of the issues surrounding sports business, sports law, sports economics and finance. Find us on your favourite podcast app. Sportonomic, sponsored by Athlon Partners. Come find out about the emerging universe of sports capital at athlonpartners.com. Time to bring in our editor-at-large and look at all eyes on the Olympics, particularly with our football team, soccer team's Rob Gilbert Matildas. Uh, tomorrow night. Hello, Timmy. Hello, Shane. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, against New Zealand, uh, we're in the group with uh, New Zealand, Sweden and the USA. The Matildas come into this under Tony Gustafsson, who replaced Ante Milicic, who replaced... As we all know, Alan Stadich under the drama yeah. of a couple of years ago. So, so all eyes really are on the Matils to see if they can turn this shocking form of recent months around. Um, Sam Kerr, who's one of the best footballers in the world, as we know, just uh, uh, took it all before after a slightly slow start with Chelsea and had an amazing season in the Women's Super League in uh, the UK, but uh, just does not seem to be able to put it together for the Matildas and uh, is really going to be under the spotlight uh, tomorrow night at the Tokyo stadium in front of an empty stadium as we know against the Kiwis who only beat them until this last week 1-0 it's going to be a tough uh, tough ask for the Matildas to turn this form around uh, and the Oli Roos mate your thoughts on them yeah look um, Graham Arnold so he's obviously the coach of the Stockeroos but uh, when he took on that role he uh, he decided that he wanted to keep the whole job of coaching the men's teams and admittedly this is a an under 23 side with three over 23s allowed to play in it um they have got just the toughest group. If the women have got the group of death with the USA, Sweden, mm. and New Zealand, uh, I don't know what you'd call the group with Argentina, Spain, and Egypt. So, uh, trouble. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, it's Thursday night. Um, look, great timing as pretty much for most of the mm. events. Uh, the uh, the Oliroos have got against Argentina, but uh, the uh, the only, when when you're looking at an upside of uh, a possible. Uh, equal contest against Egypt because Liverpool wouldn't release their number one or one of their, their best strikers. I shouldn't say number one. There's a pretty uh, stiff contest for that title. Mo Salah to compete in the Olympics, then the Oli Roos have got it up against it. So, look, if you're asking for my judgment, I don't think we get any medals. I think the Oli Roos just need to be competitive against Argentina, Spain and Egypt to walk out with their heads held high. Unfortunately, the uh, drama around the Matildas will continue if they, they can't get a result uh, and even worst case scenario I don't get out of the group. Well, there, there looks like there'll be some medals on the basketball court. The Boomers, Rob, beating the US. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess uh, remember when, uh, like, people who are probably under the age of thirty don't recall this, but in uh, in hockey, the Kookaburras were the team mm. that had the the big uh, question mark over them. When could they finally break the drought and win another gold medal? Well, the Boomers have never won anything. Uh, they they went close. They played in the the bronze medal playoff match. They nearly played in the gold medal playoff match in the last Olympics. So uh, it's and they never won a, a medal in the in the world. 
World Championships either. So um, it's it's a big, big question as to whether they can convert that form. Some of the uh, the, the the Dream Team members have dropped out because of uh, uh, positive tests. But hey, you know, you take out one superstar, you put in a superstar to replace them. Uh, so do we do well? Ben Simmons obviously not playing well. You know, questionable as to what he brings to the table, given that he uh, he can't uh, shoot from outside the, uh, the the ring or the key, I should say. Uh, so yeah, but big expectations. Brian Gorgian, probably the best man for the job. Um, if anyone can motivate the Boomers, then uh, then they can. And uh, the Opals, mate. Yeah, well, look, the Opals uh, lost, as you say. You were about to say before I mm. so rudely interrupted you there, Shane. Uh, uh, Liz Cambage. I mean, before mm. we get on to Liz Cambage, I mean, Sandy Brondello uh, leads the charge there. She's a you know a, a, an Olympic legend herself. She uh, she's made nine appearances, one in all of the. Olympic medal winning sides of the Opals, she has appeared, right? So three okay. silvers and two bronze. So the, 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 um, the, the precipice or the precipice, the, uh, if you just edit that out, Danny, you're listening, the, the, the ultimate challenge for the Opals is obviously to win the gold medal yeah. and, and that's what they're targeting this time around. But, uh, yeah, the question around Liz Cambage. Oh, yeah, it's dramatic, isn't it? Uh, every angle. Um, look, I can only wish her well because she's obviously got some problems, Liz Cambage. But she won't be there, but the Opals are a very strong team, so uh, cannot wait. Rob, uh, I think we're all going to have a bit of time to watch the Olympics, that's for sure. <laughs> I know, I'm just recovering from the uh, the post-Euros uh, hangover, getting mm. some sleep. So uh, at least this is on at a more... Uh, reasonable time gentlemen and um you just download the seven now app you'll be able to watch anything and i'm not uh, on the payroll at seven but um i was at a recent uh, presentation of what they're planning to do so you can just watch anything anytime in any just about any language you want so uh, i'm looking forward to the olympics and just hopefully we'll cross all our fingers that there's no big covid blow up yeah, during mate. the course of the event thanks roberto take care mate see you shane see you timmy That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to Phil Liggett, Katie Brown and to Rob Gilbert and to Spartan Sports, Shane. www.spartansportshq.com And, of course, our wonderful producer, Mr Dan McHugh. We'll be back tomorrow with a daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.